Inside Florida Politics, powered by Gannett. Hello, I'm Sarasota Herald Tribune political editor Zach Anderson, welcoming you to the first IFP of 2021. We're back after two weeks off for the holidays and ready to dive back into everything Florida politics. Joining me as always are John Kennedy and Antonio Finns. Happy New Year, gentlemen. Happy New Year to you all. Happy New Year. Well, I think we're all eager to turn the page on a rough 2020, but 2021 already is shaping up to be pretty wild. There's plenty to discuss in the new year, including the incredible scene at the U.S. Capitol yesterday. We'll talk about how Florida lawmakers reacted to the lawlessness at the Capitol after it was overrun by Trump supporters during the vote to certify the Electoral College results, how Florida Republicans were planning to vote before the proceedings were disrupted and what they did afterwards, and what some are calling a dysfunctional start to Florida's vaccine program. But first... Y'all know what that music means. Normally, this would be the time when we're picking some numbers, but in honor of the new year, we're going to mix it up and make some predictions about 2021. Antonio, do you have a prediction for something that's going to happen this year? It's been, uh, it was a terrible year, and it's been an even worse start so far to 2021. So I'm going to make an optimistic prediction. Uh, the U.S. Senate now with a 50-50 split and a, and a Democratic majority I think is going to move forward on some bipartisan measures. And one of them is an issue that will resonate in Florida, particularly because of the terrible shootings at the Pulse nightclub in Orlando and the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland. So I'm going to predict that there that that legislation, that gun safety legislation, the House passed way back when, which was backed by Democrats and Republicans, including in Florida, but has language in the U.S. Senate. I'm going to predict that that legislation will actually move forward. All right. Bold prediction. How about you, John? Well, Zach, I'm predicting that having a Democrat Joe Biden in the White House and leading Congress, uh, the party leading Congress after January 20th, uh, won't necessarily bring harmony, unity, and a new life for Florida Democrats. Uh, We've kicked some of this around before after the November election when President Trump's clear victory in Florida sort of challenged the state's image as this toss-up bastion, you know, the most purple of purple states. Uh, In the end, it seems to be fairly red here in Florida. And that's a problem for Florida Democrats. But I'm I'm thinking a, a problem for Florida Democrats will also emerge with efforts to start positioning to challenge Republican Governor Ron DeSantis in two years. Now, you know, Democrats may think that DeSantis is ripe for taking down, that he no longer has Trump to help him in the White House, that he's totally screwed up the response to COVID-19 and now the vaccine rollout and uh, is kind of generally disliked by many. But I think while the Biden White House would like to see a strong candidate emerge in this state, given that, uh, you know, that that would give Democrats a chance to take back this super influential Florida. My crystal ball tells me that Florida Democrats are going to be divided about which way to go. You know, a a young, super progressive like state rep Ana Escamani of Orlando. uh, Should they back uh, Florida's lone statewide elected Democrat, Ag Commissioner uh, Nikki Freed, look to Uh, State Senator Jason Pizzo of North Miami Beach, who is also considering a run or trying to recruit somebody back into the race like a Gwen Graham, the former congresswoman who started hot but failed to uh, get the party's nomination in 2018. Or they could go completely out of the box and look to Congresswoman Val Demings, an Orlando Democrat who she's gotten a lot of attention nationally for her role in the impeachment hearings. Or maybe even, you know, new Miami-Dade County Mayor Daniela Cava, another uh, super progressive. So I think basically in coming months, uh, you're going to have a, uh, you know, a, a, 
a, a whole bunch of questions for Florida Democrats. You know, should they go super progressive with a nominee and try to get millennial voters, minority voters to pump up the party's always close but no cigar turnout numbers? Or should they go with the Republican light approach, the centrist Democrat that Floridians have spent much of the past 22 years rejecting? when they're a Democratic nominee. So anyway, my prediction is that a richness of Democrats in Washington may not pay off for Florida Democrats. All right. Usually a safe uh, prediction that Democrats in Florida are going to have uh, divisions. I, I would, uh, That's <laughs> I would venture that it's going to come true, John. Um, well, Antonio was saying that he's a little optimistic about 2021. Uh, I'm feeling kind of pessimistic here. It's been a rough start to the year, and and I think that's going to continue. We've seen a, a rocky rollout for uh, the vaccine program in Florida, and uh, I'm sure that uh, you know there's going to be an uptick in in uh, vaccines and uh, people getting those shots. But I think that's going to plateau. Uh, based on you know what we've seen in some of the the polling and and uh, what we've seen in Florida and, uh, for for other vaccines for routine vaccines, um, you know there there comes a time when uh, you know a certain amount of people are not going to get them. Uh, Fauci, uh, Anthony Fauci, the nation's top infectious disease doctor, has said that 70 75 percent uh, vaccination to get close to to herd immunity and really get this pandemic under control. I'm not sure. In fact, I'm predicting that that's not going to happen by the end of 2021 and that, uh, you know, that this virus is, is going to be lingering around and there's going to be issues in terms of getting uh, enough people uh, vaccinated. And that that's going to become a major point of contention by uh, the end of the year, if not sooner. So we'll come back to these uh, predictions uh, later in the year and see uh, how they panned out and which one of us uh, has the best crystal ball. But um, in the meantime, uh, there's plenty to talk about um, the first few days of the year. Headlines uh, today used words like insurrection to describe the scene at the U.S. Capitol. Congress was set to certify the results of the election before pro-Trump protesters stormed the Capitol building, even making it on to the floor of the U.S. Senate. There was an armed standoff at the entryway to the floor of the U.S. House. There was property destruction, the mayor of Washington, D.C., instituted a curfew, and there was even a woman killed uh, by a gunshot in the state capitol. Truly an incredible and shocking development that will be rem remembered for years to come in this country. Antonio, how would you describe what happened Wednesday and what was the reaction from Florida's congressional delegation? You know, Zach, uh, my family and I came to the United States as exiles from a country where democracy failed. And I came to this country as a toddler, so I never experienced any of the, the the events that my parents and grandparents lived through. And I remember telling them telling me these stories of political violence and, and terrorism that they, they lived. But now, sadly, I can say that I, too, have lived in a country where democracy came under siege. And, and it was a siege. I mean, uh, yesterday, you know, we did reach, for example, Congress uh, and member Lois Frankel of West Palm Beach. And when we talked to her, she was barricaded in her office. And outside, a mob was that was assaulting the Capitol. You know, they were just marauding through the halls. They were vandalizing and desecrating and basically disrespecting what is a hallowed political shrine. And Frankel told us she was safe, but had to speak very softly so as not to give her position away. And it reminded me of what we heard from survivors of mass shootings who huddled in closets, keeping quiet in order to not put themselves in harm's way. And I, we also heard an interview from with Val Demings, who related how she was on the floor of the house being told to get down for cover in order to put on a gas mask. Uh, 
And Deming's a former police officer and Orlando police chief. Uh, gentlemen, I think we can conclude that until Wednesday for Deming's, orders to take cover and put on a gas mask had a very different context. Now, let's be clear, this was not a protest. This was an insurrection incited in large measure by the words of the president of the United States, precisely to stop the counting of electoral votes and certify an election the president lost. And unfortunately, this is, does not appear to be the consensus among the Florida congressional delegation. Yes, each member, every member of the Florida congressional delegation condemned the violence. Some did so in speeches, some did so in interviews, some did so in social media, some did so in all three. But let's be precise, while they all condemned the violence, they didn't all see the same motive. Republicans condemned violence, but Democrats condemned the violence and the reason for it, the attempt to intimidate and or punish the Congress and even the Republican vice president of the United States who were doing their constitutional duty, that is to certify this election. They also make clear that the chief protagonist in calling for this quote unquote march on the Capitol was President Trump. That's a major difference and it's an important one. After January 20th, if not before, President Trump will live in Florida and on Wednesday, the GOP members in Florida's congressional delegation again showed that they remain loyal to this president, at least in their public statements. While key Republicans, including Georgia's Kelly Loeffler and South Carolina's Lindsey Graham said they had seen enough, Florida U.S. Senator Rick Scott still objected to the challenge to Pennsylvania's votes. So did Pensacola's Matt Gates, and so did Miami Congressman Mario Diaz-Balart, whose family, like mine, fled Cuba, yet they all persisted to still overturn the will of the voters. Matt Gates went all Florida man, too, because when the House reconvened after being ransacked, Gates cited reporting that it was left-wing Antifa radicals that were behind the mayhem. Yeah, there's there, just like with the election, you know, the election theft conspiracy theories, it was not Antifa, uh, which... Still, it's stunning to think that President Trump, you know, would tweet an invitation to a rally where thousands, you know, of people would show up. And, you know, it's stunning to think that what happened at the Capitol was inside and not just by what some of the words the president used, but also Rudy Giuliani and Donald Trump Jr. So, um, you know, President Trump once said he could shoot someone on the street and still be very popular. On Wednesday, an American was shot dead in the U.S. Capitol during an insurrection, and Florida Republicans showed they still will stand by this president. John, we saw Republicans condemn this, but do they share some responsibility for it? They've stood behind Trump as he's banned these flames, and now they seem surprised that they've gotten out of control. Yeah, the the, the fire analogy seems like a good one. I, I thought that the reaction of some Florida Republicans was like that of an arsonist who, after starting a fire, steps back and warns about the danger of burning things. Uh, you know, Marco Rubio was on Fox News last night ridiculing the media for not allowing stories to run about election problems. He said that were occurring uh, and also bemoaning about how basically we've gotten so screwed up and divided as a country. Uh, you know, remember, Rubio was elected in 2016 saying that familiar uh, Republican line about how he needed to be a check on the potentially rogue president. 
Donald Trump, who was also elected then. Then, of course, he spent four years mostly supporting the president or trying to stay out of his way. Uh, Congressman Greg Stubbe, a Sarasota Republican, planned to challenge the re- election results in uh, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. Uh, after the mob occupied the Capitol, he sent out a statement supporting the efforts of the Capitol Police and other law enforcement. He, he added that the, the violence and lawlessness that we saw today was completely unacceptable. Uh, as a nation, we must do better. But, you know, it still seemed to be a little bit of a, a, a lukewarm uh, statement after the uh, the violence that we saw televised nationally. nationally. Um, uh, Governor DeSantis, uh, he similarly thanked police and said that violence or rioting of any kind is unacceptable. Now, remember, DeSantis has called for legislation inspired by this summer's Black Lives Matter protest that would enhance penalties for such demonstrations and give law enforcement more authority. Well, within a couple of hours of the attack on the Capitol, the State House and Senate both released new bills that are aimed at combating public disorder, prohibiting local governments from cutting police budgets and toughening criminal penalties for assault and violence during uh, demonstrations. Now, you know, it seemed as if this was well planned uh, to come out, this rollout of the legislation. Um, yet somehow I think the Republican leaders saw this as an opportunity to look like, oh, no, this is not just at, aimed at black protesters or young protesters uh, that, you know, indeed, maybe even some of our own people could be uh, uh, subject to this kind of uh, law enforcement. Um, So, you know, this is mostly Republican driven legislation that a lot of Democrats and civil libertarian organizations are pushing back against. But uh, it's somewhat ironic that it took the Trump mob to finally get the House and Senate and governor to make the splash that they no doubt planned for another time to uh, announce that the Republican legislature would try to move forward with the uh, governor's request on this. Uh, But then, of course, you know, not everyone was looking to just, uh, you know, tut tut and say that this attack on the Capitol was wrong and leave it at that. We had state rep uh, Anthony Sabatini, a Lake County Republican and lawyer who has spent this summer suing counties over the mask requirements. He continued to stoke the flame by tweeting that it was interesting that what he called the hack media, the entire left, and the Romney types, as he called them, are now just speaking up for law and order and peace. He said that, you know, that they had been silent when Black Lives Matter, Antifa, and leftists violently attacked our nation's cities. He called it hypocrisy. So it looks like the enablers of these conspiracies, the lies and the misleading claims are going to well, continue to enable. And uh, even when they're condemning the optics and general shock of this attempt at undermining our democracy, they still find a way to get a few shots in, it seems like. And we've mentioned that all this chaos at the Capitol came as Republicans uh, in Congress, prodded by Trump, sought to invalidate the Electoral College votes cast by key swing states because of unsubstantiated claims about voter fraud. The president's efforts to invalidate the election were were, uh, doomed to fail because not enough Republicans in the Senate were willing to uh, go along. But it was still really a key moment for the, the GOP that many saw as a test of whether Republicans would be loyal to Trump or to the country and the rule of law and a system of uh, fair elections. Uh, Antonio, uh, you know, the the vote was um, suspended, but it ended up uh, going forward late in the evening. You mentioned how some of the um, Florida Republicans voted. It seemed like pretty much everybody who was planning to uh, challenge the election results went forward anyway, at least in Florida, despite um, 
um, you know, the the chaos and the lawlessness uh, at the Capitol, which did seem to cause some Republican senators uh, to change uh, their votes, but uh, no uh, foreign lawmaker seemed influenced by it. Do you think there will be lasting consequences based on this vote in terms of retribution from those who view it as a betrayal of the country or or for Republicans who didn't go along, uh, maybe uh, their base views it as a betrayal of Trump? I'm very doubtful, Zach. I mean, look, all politics is local. And, you know, uh, John mentioned Greg Stubbe. You know, I, you know we, we can talk about Brian Mass. You know, both of them, for example, come from districts that are Republican majority. And Republicans, while they were revolted by this revolt, they still embrace the fiction that this election was stolen by Democrats. And Mass, you know, look at Mass in particular. He's in a district which in which a certain number of Republican constituents believe that he is too liberal on, for example, gun rights. That's because Mass, who's a military veteran, has had the gall to say that assault weapons like the ones he used in combat are inappropriate for American streets. So in 2018 and 2020, he faced primary challenges. Uh, you can make the argument that Mast would actually be in more political trouble if on top of this, he was seen as betraying Trump. Uh, now, could Democrats and independents punish him in 2022? Possibly. But Mass has shown significant strength in comfortably winning re-election twice against serious Democratic challengers. I, I don't see others in Florida facing retribution in their districts. I I'll let you speak about Stu, because you cover him more closely, but Diaz-Balart in Miami won't be punished, and neither will Gates in Pensacola. Scott is not up for re-election. I, I don't see um, any any fallout for Stu. I think that uh, his base, uh, like you said, you know, they, they're, people are not uh, encouraging what happened uh, at the Capitol, uh, but they are still seem to be very supportive of the president his claims about uh, electoral fraud. Right. So, I mean, the, the Senate, now the Senate race is a little bit more interesting. Now, first of all, Scott is not up for re-election until 2024. So I, I don't think that this would be an issue then. Well, well, who knows? Rubio is actually going to be more interesting. He's up for re-election in 2022. And this will be an interesting watch because what will happen Wednesday? Will that be a decisive factor? I don't know. But at the end of the day, Rubio did vote to certify the results. And while he has been relatively quiet on Trump's election challenges, he has not been a vocal proponent. So it's hard to claim that he is one of those that, that is responsible. And if anything, actually, Wednesday's disgraceful violence may, politically speaking, help Rubio out. You know, remember, guys, when, before we went on break last month, we talked about a potential primary challenge from Ivanka Trump. Now, while Republicans may stand with Trump, the Trump political brand may well have been fatally damaged among other segments of the electorate, particularly independents, conservative-leaning independents that have been decisive in this in statewide elections in this state. Now, consider that the U.S. Senate right now is going to be a 50-50 split. In 2022, if you're a Republican, who do you think would be able to keep that seat in a general election against a Democrat, Ivanka Trump or Marco Rubio? I'm like, I'm, I'm betting right now they'll get behind Rubio. You know, on that note, also, we are hearing, and, and I may well talk more about this in a future podcast, uh, because we're just hearing this now, that while congressional Republicans may publicly stand with Trump, donors and fundraisers may be flagging the Trump brand, uh, political brand as, as undesirable. I can't say that definitively yet, but uh, come back to me on that one, bro. Yeah, I, I do think that, um, you know, this uh, this lawlessness at the Capitol does, um, you know, help lawmakers who are trying to justify their vote to the Republican base who wanted to certify the election results. Folks like Vern Buchanan, Mark Rubio mentioned that, um, you know, uh, 
obviously it, this is an incredible moment in American history and it's pretty remarkable that uh, you know they need an excuse to certify um, you know the results of the election which have already been approved by all these states and have been held up in court but uh, this does give them a little bit more uh, political cover uh, if they needed it well from the chaos in the capital to uh, some chaotic, um, moments here in Florida with the vaccine rollout. The arrival of the coronavirus vaccine doses in Florida at the end of December was cause for celebration, offering a glimmer of hope for after a really difficult 10 months for a lot of people. There's images of hospital workers getting the vaccine shots that ran in newspapers around the state. But since then, the vaccine campaign has been marred by hiccups, with many complaining that the system of signing up for an appointment is frustrating and dysfunctional and the vaccine doses aren't being distributed fast enough. Governor Ron DeSantis pushed back against those criticisms this week in a contentious press conference that resulted in a clip of him arguing with a CNN reporter going viral. John, I remember DeSantis saying months ago that he was preparing to distribute the vaccine. Is there a reason to believe he didn't prepare well enough? DeSantis has offered no real guidelines or support to counties, the pharmacies or the, the hospitals charged with distributing the vaccines. And then he was quick to suggest that the blame should be on the locals for announcing these, you know, first come, first serve protocols that led to miles long lines at public health departments and other places distributing the vaccines. Uh, he also blamed somebody, not exactly sure who, for the vaccines arriving just before Christmas a bad time to get them distributed or for hospitals to start inoculating their staffs. It seems like the, you know, the only protocols that he has set is the one in defiance of the uh, CDC guidelines by ordering that the vaccine go to everybody over 65 in Florida, 4.4 million people, when even he acknowledges that there's nowhere near that many vaccines available. And you know, meanwhile, the, the essential workers, a term he says he doesn't like or support, are uh, basically relegated to uh, being further down the road in Florida for vaccines, even as these are the people, whether they are 25 or 55, who are you know, really in the front lines of his demand that the state's economy fully open. Grocery store workers, uh, retail workers, restaurant employees, and plenty others in Florida uh, in the service economy have no shot at getting a shot for months, probably even though they are getting infected in a population where new positivity rates are now topping 12%, uh, a clear sign of deep community spread. So uh, DeSantis wasn't ready. And the, the duality of his approach, you know, no guidance for local governments, but plenty of orders on who should get the vaccine is somewhat reminiscent of his approach to no statewide mandate, but, you know, for masks, but uh, letting locals decide, then prohibiting them from fining violators. It's become really kind of typical of what has been an overly confident, I know better approach that that has left the state stumbling along in almost every phase of this crisis. In some cases, we eventually get around to formulating some kind of policy, but it's only after chaos has ensued. And uh, with the vaccines, it appears that we're uh, we're still at the chaos stage right now. And the governor seems really uh, defensive about this and, uh, you know, firing back at reporters who are asking him questions. But I mean, this isn't something that uh, the news media is making up. I, I've gotten tons of emails. I've talked to lawmakers, uh, local officials, county commissioners who've gotten tons of emails. Seniors are frustrated. The governor can can push back all he wants, but the people can see it on the ground. They can see it for themselves. 
uh, as they try to sign up for these vaccines that the appointments are going quickly. They're they're not happy with the the system and the way uh, it has worked so far. So this this is a problem for uh, the governor. He has an event today where he's going to talk about vaccines. He seems to be cognizant that, that this is an issue, even as he pushes back against it. So you, you can't uh, dispute uh, the 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 um, the feeling out there in the general public uh, amongst folks who who feel like this is a chaotic process. And it is a problem for the governor, whether he wants to admit it or not. Well, that wraps up another episode of Inside Florida Politics. I thank our audio production guru, Thomas Cordy. And thanks to all of you for listening. Stay safe. We're out of here. 